Because we believe God's going to do some awesome, awesome things. Amen? Amen. Well, are you ready to kick off the new series? Welcome to week one of Detox. Detox. This word gets thrown a lot around in, in a uh, rehab and addiction circles and in the health world uh, about cleansing your body. Uh, and if you, if you Google the word detox, you will come across a plethora of things to cleanse your system, cleanse your body. A few years ago, uh, one of my favorites came out. It was called a coffee enema. It is exactly what it sounds like, a coffee enema. And, and so uh, it, it, here, here's what they say it does. It says it'll boost immunity. It increases energy, treats autoimmune diseases, removes parasites from the digestive tract, and it treats depression. You are no longer depressed once they, you pull that out. Um, so... Uh, you, uh, you know, so when it, when I was in Louisville when this kind of hit the, the scene, and me and my good friend John David, uh, we, we, we came up with a jingle for it. It never got used. But, you know, the Folgers commercial, best part of waking up is coffee in your, or Folgers in your cup. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your butt. It didn't catch on. It didn't catch on. <laughs> Those of you that are new, I would apologize, but this is me. Uh, this is, there, there is no, my wife has been living with it for almost 30 years now. Uh, so what does detox even mean when we talk about detox? Here's the definition. To purge the body of toxic or unhealthy substances. Here's what I know. After the year we have had, come on, COVID, pandemic, riots, the election, hateful talk on social media, we don't need a detox for our bodies. We need a detox for our souls. Come on. And you say, well, Kelly, I've not been directly involved with any of that. You ever heard of secondhand smoke? Because you're around it long enough. The toxins will seep into you. And you're not even aware of it, and your soul is sick. And listen, I'm not talking about sinners. You understand that, right? I'm talking about we as a church. Our souls get sick. And, and, and so today, you know, this, I was telling the staff at, at prayer this morning, um, I said, man, today what I feel like the word is for today, it goes against everything we're doing right now. Because we've got centuries going on and everything within us says, go, 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 do, do, do. Get it done, get it done, get it done. And we're talking about today our first step of detox, press pause. Press pause. Stop. Here's another way of saying it. Sele. You may have heard it. Sela. Sela. Uh, but but here, here's, here, here's what it, it, it's used. It, it is used... This word gets used 74 times throughout the entire Bible, 74. Only three of those times it's used, it's not used in the book of Psalms. The three times it is used is in Habakkuk. So 71 times it gets used in Psalms. And here's what it means to praise, to lift up, throw up, or exalt. 
to pause or an invitation to pause? He gets used 71 times in the book of Psalms. Let me give you an example of that. Psalms 46, 1 through 11. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Selah. I love the Passion Translation. You know how it translates? Selah. Paul's in his presence. Paul's in his presence. It, it continues, verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The God of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Selah, Paul's in his presence. Verse 8. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The God of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Selah. Pause in his presence. Let's pray. Father, right now I come to you. My prayer is this, no matter what's going on in their world, no matter what may be going on in their life right now, no matter what may be going on at home, at work, at, at school, that in these next few moments we would realize the importance of pressing pause and just pausing in your presence. I pray we would soak up every moment we have together right now and that we would take that time to pause in your presence. And I pray these things. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. Man, we need this more than ever right now. As a community, as individuals, we need the ability just to press pause. Amen? Amen. But be honest. Uh, it, life in general is hard for us to press pause, much less us taking time to pause in his presence. I mean, it, it's hard. Anybody know someone or you are someone that they just can't sit still? Come on. My wife is that person. It's like she cannot press pause. She'll be, I mean, she is doing something in the house all the time and we'll be like, hey, babe, come and watch a movie with us. Hey, slow down. Just take a, take a break. And then every once in a while, you'll hear her say, do y'all think I enjoy cleaning and straightening up? To which we'll respond, yeah, we do. We do. In fact, I'll tell you how much. Do you know what I bought my wife for Valentine's Day, the most romantic day of the year? I did not buy her jewelry. I did not buy her clothing. I did not buy her whatever else. I bought her what she wanted, a Bissell Crosswave. That may be insulting to some of you, but I'll just tell you, the night proved that that was the right gift for my wife. She was just, oh, she loved it. She took me out Sunday, uh, had planned this whole surprise, and I left it for her before I came to church Sunday morning with a card and, and a book, and I left it for her to get there, and I, and I get a call. Did you buy me a crossway? 
I thought, well, who else is there going to drive you across way? No. So I said, I sure did. So, and she had surprised, going to surprise me. We went out Sunday night. We stayed down in Chattanooga. And, and you know, usually, I, what do you want to do, babe? Well, you know, we can stop at Ross. Usually she's stopped. Let's go here. Let's go there. We stopped at two stores. She's like, let's get to the house. And as soon as we got home, she's opened up that cross wave. And I'll say, babe, I'm, I'm going to go to the church and work on some stuff, got some things going. I come up here for two or three hours. When I come home, she's like, you are not going to believe what I pulled out of that cross wave. I feel, I feel so much better about my floors. I'm like, you're welcome. Come on, anybody else, you just have a hard time just shutting down and pressing pause. Come on, go ahead and thank you. We've got somebody admitted in the back. Here's, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is you're not alone. The bad news, you're not alone. You know, whether you work at a job that requires you to work 70 plus hours a week or whether you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, that, that re it requires that and more of you. We have a hard time just hitting pause. In fact, one statistic showed that, that Americans in general work longer hours than any other in, in any other country in the world. Americans work longer, longer hours. They push themselves harder. And, and so, well, pastor, I've, I've got bills to pay, family to support, uh, kids I'm going to put through school, food on the table, and the list could go on and go on. And I hear you, but I believe the word from God for us today is pause in his presence. Take a moment and just chill for a moment. And somebody else might say, well, you know, if I didn't have to go to work, if I got to stay home with my kids, maybe I could pause in his presence. I can just feel the steam coming out of the mom's ears and the dad's. Get this. And Salary.com did a survey a few years back of 15,000 stay-at-home moms. Here's what they found. The average stay-at-home mom works about 98 hours a week. That's the equivalent to over two full-time jobs. So if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, I salute you because I would rather be out of the house for 10 to 12 hours a day working than home with these heathens 24 hours a day. Come on now. Thank you. Somebody's honest. But you stay-at-home moms, you stay-at-home dads, listen, even you, the word for you is stop. Pause in his presence. Salel. Salel. Pause in his presence. Look what Solomon, the wisest and wealthiest man that ever lived, say about this. He said this in Ecclesiastes. What do people get for all the toil and ancient striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. I wonder if that describes anybody here. Your mind doesn't rest. It just keeps spinning. It, you can be out with your spouse. You can be out with your boyfriend, girlfriend, but yet your mind is still just turning. And even at night when you lay down, it doesn't matter how much melatonin you take, your mind is still spinning. Come on. Anybody relate? Our body, here's the thing, if our bodies need rest, 
souls really need rest. Our souls really need rest. So, Kelly, uh, where do we find? How do, how do we find rest for our souls? If you're taking notes here, our soul finds rest only in God. That's the only place our souls can find rest. You can try to find a rest for your soul by sleeping all day. You can try to find it in a habit, in a sports team. You can try to find it in another pill, another drink, in online pornography. You can try to find it in a relationship or sex. But the truth is this, your soul will only find rest in God. That's it. In fact, David said it like this. He said, my soul finds rest in God alone. For my salvation comes from him. He says, my soul, the inward part of me, the essence of who I am, doesn't find rest in a person, an experience, a vacation. There's no amount of money. There's no new car, no new relationship, no new anything. Outside of God, the essence of who I am cannot find rest outside of God. My soul finds rest in God alone. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. And that's some of you right now. And I, I can understand. Because after the year we went through, and then that on top of just life, it makes you weary. It makes you burdened. It makes you feel overwhelmed, anxious, not only physically, but in your soul. That's why some of you, man, you've been really short with your spouse. You've been really short with your kids, and you don't understand why. It's because your soul needs a rest. It is worn out. It is weary, and it's been trying to find rest in all the wrong places. But you can only find a rest for your soul in God. That's the only place. He goes on. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Not rest for your bodies. Rest for your souls. So how do we find rest? I'm glad you asked. The first thing is this. Be still before God. Isn't that hard for anybody? I mean, in the world we live in where the early bird gets the worm, so we got to, our mindset is go, go, get up, get up, work harder, try harder, be productive. And for so, so many of us, man, the hardest thing that, that we could be asked is be still before God. But, but this is what I need to do. The psalmist said, be still, know that I'm God. Some of us, it would have been easier if, if, if it would have said, hey, be productive and know that I'm God. Hey, be really busy and know that I'm God. Get some things done and know that we would find that a lot. I can do that. But be still. God, do you know what you're asking of me? And God's like, yeah, I'm asking you for what you really need. Be still and know that I'm God. The Greek word there for still is ratha. Here's what it means, to relax, to stop. But here's my favorite meaning, to show oneself slack. In other words, he says, hey, 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 give yourself some slack. The world's not going to stop spinning just because you take an hour off, a day off. Give yourself some slack. The world's not going to st- stop spinning just because your kids go out of the house and they don't completely match. Come on. Give yourself some slack. Hey, give yourself some slack. The world's not going to stop spinning if you don't have the house in immaculate condition when they come over. Come on. Be still. 
Give yourself a slack and know that I am God. Look what the psalmist said in Psalms 131.2. Surely I have stilled and quieted my soul. I have. I, you, you see that? The psalmist says, I've done it. See, here's what you need to know. The 45 minutes of preaching that I give you here on, Wednesday, on Sunday, Sunday mornings, it does not compare to the preaching you do to yourself the rest of the week. Kelly, I'm not, oh, yeah, you're preaching to yourself. The problem is you've been preaching the wrong message to yourself. And, and, and your soul is weary because you keep telling yourself all the negative stuff that's going on in your life. Come on, are you hearing me? The, the, the psalmist says, hey, hey, I have still, I have quieted my soul. This, he, he doesn't say, hey, you know what I did? I waited for the pastor to call me. I waited for a friend to call me. Or I waited for a night of worship or a Sunday morning. He no, I have stilled and quieted my soul. One of the most important disciplines you can do every day is to stop and pause in his presence. In fact, we've been taught, we taught kids this, uh, in, in case there's a fire, you catch on fire, what do you do? Stop, drop, and roll. Maybe a better lesson for us is when we're feeling overwhelmed. When we're feeling our mind is going is stop, drop, and pause in his presence. Stop, drop, and pause in his presence. Yeah, but, yeah, but Kelly, you don't know. Stop, drop, pause in his presence. Because whatever your mind's telling you to do, it's probably not going to change the situation. But God, a, a moment pausing in God's presence can cause you to look at things differently. Pause in his presence. I'd love to tell you things that it's easy to do, but it's not. I, I mean, the moment you decide, I'm going to stop and pause in his presence, the enemy knows all the tricks in the book, that, and he comes at you trying to distract you. Come on, I, I'm telling you, I can be right in the middle of praying, and my mind begins to wonder. I, I mean, I'm like, Lord, you said, uh, if I have faith of a mustard seed, God. Hmm, mustard sounds good on a sandwich right now. And my mind could begin to wander. Come on, anybody else? Oh, the man, baby needs diapers needs changed. Oh, the house. I gotta, I gotta, I've got some errands I gotta run. Oh, the, I, I gotta get the kids to practice. I, I gotta get some groceries. I've gotta check my Facebook status. Cause the world will end if I don't see the latest news on Facebook. I kid, but come on, some of you, the first thing you check in the morning is not your Bible app but it's your Facebook status, it's your social media. The last thing before you go to bed is checking your status. And can I tell you, a lot of you, man, your soul needs rest from that junk. I know. Thank you, though. Thank you, though. You say, Kelly, I don't have time to be still and pause in his presence. I'd argue this. You can't afford not to pause and be still in his presence. I'm telling you. So, so, so just wait. Just be still before God. The second thing, you won't rest for yourselves. Wait for God. Anybody else love waiting as much as I do? Come on. We are not a patient people when it comes to waiting, are we? I mean, anybody, anybody else like me? Y'all have heard me talk about this before. I pull, I'm coming up to a traffic light. I'm judging. Okay, which line's going to be quicker? Because that's the one I'm going to pull over in. I'm at Walmart, and I've got to get in a checkout. 
okay, one, two, how much stuff they got in there. But now this one's going to be faster. And then I'll find myself changing because, oh, there's another that's one faster. Because we don't, we do not like to wait. Even when we pray for patience, it's like, God, give me patience. Give it to me now, God. Psalms 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Someone asked Andy Stanley a few years back, said, how do you stay really close to God? I loved his answer. Here's what he said. Andy Stanley said, I wake up early every day so I don't have to worry about the time. And I just open up God's word and I start to read his word and I wait for something there to speak to me. And then when it speaks to me, I just stop there and I meditate on what God said. Sometimes it might be one verse. I just read one verse, and then I'm done, and that's it. Sometimes it's a chapter. Sometimes it's five chapters. But I just keep reading, and I wait until God speaks to me, and then I just let his word be planted deep within my soul. I love that. I read his word, and I wait. I read his word, and I wait. I'm telling you guys, the rest of the world will take care of itself. We can afford Five minutes just to pause in his presence. Pause in his presence. Be still. Open up the Bible. Open up the Bible app. Open up. Put on some worship music. Pause in his presence. Psalms 135 and 6. He says this. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And look what he says. In his word I put my hope. Not I put my hope in the government. I put my hope in a stimulus check. I put my hope in this job I'm wanting in his word. I put my hope. And he says, my soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning, more than a watchman for the morning. He doesn't say I wait. What does he say? My what? Soul waits. When he says like, like the watchman for the morning, here's what he's referring to. Back in these times, you would have a watchman. Their job was to stand up there on the top of the, the walls that would go around the city where they could see a clear view, and they would watch overnight. All night long, they're watching for an enemy, trying to sneak in and attack, trying, trying to get to them. And then what they would do, they'd say, they, they knew this. When they saw the sun coming up, shift was over. I can relax now. And what he said is this, as surely as the sun shows up, my God's going to show up. What if we begin to live with that kind of expectancy? Yeah, I know what the doctor's report says. Yes, I know what they're saying about the economy. Yeah, I know what they're saying about my kid. Yeah, I know what things look on my, like in my marriage right now, in my relationship with the kids. But I'm expecting this. As sure as the sun comes up every morning, my God's going to show up. He's going to show up. We wait on God with that kind of expectancy. God, it's been three days. Most of the time, we can't wait three minutes. We pray, God do it. We go about our business. Well, ain't done nothing else. I guess I better do something. And what we end up doing, we get in the way of what God was wanting to do because we're trying to do it ourselves. If we would just wait patiently on God, the third way we find rest. Reflect on God's goodness. 
Anybody ever have this problem, man, when you're trying to reflect on God's goodness or you're trying to reflect and your mind begins to wander, thinking about everything that needs to be done? Come on. You're trying to be still, but your mind is reminding you of places that you need to be at. Aaron, you got to run projects that your kid have had for weeks, but now they're telling you they're due tomorrow. Come on. Isn't it easy? How, I just wonder why. It's easier for us to drift toward the negative things in life. I mean, it is. We get a bad, somebody gives us a, bad, a piece of bad news, we cannot wait to call somebody and tell them about it. Come on, be honest. Bad news spreads quicker than good news. And we, we have a, a tendency to drift toward the negative. And, and we'll even look at that in our life. Man, my life just stinks. Man, life is just so bad right now. Things are so chaotic. Things never work out for me. And we begin to preach to ourselves those things. I go two steps forward and three steps back. I might as well not even try. And what happens is in the process of those negative things, they overtake and cause us to forget that all the times that God did show up on our behalf, all the blessings he has poured into our life. Come on. All the times we needed peace, when, and, and it just came upon us. But we allow the negative to overtake all that. This is why the psalmist, again, begins to preach to his soul in Psalms 116. He says this, Return to your rest, my soul, for God has been good to you. Anybody hear the attitude? So, return to rest. We're not going to dwell on all this junk because God's been good to you. Right now, you can't remember it. Right now, it's hard for you to see it, but you need to remember God has been good to you. So rest my soul. For you, Lord, have delivered me from... He begins to tell it. You've delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I love the way the message says this. I said to myself, relax and rest. Somebody, somebody you just need to tell yourself right now, self! Oh, that, that was just so sad. Say, self! Self! Relax and rest. rest. Now, if you just do it. But but we'll we'll see people, man, they just need to really rest. And we can see that other people need it. But we can't ever say that we need it until we're in a moment of crisis in our life. And then we're like, I'm about to lose my dang mind. Come on. He says, relax and rest. God has showered you with blessings. So you've been rescued from death. Come on, anybody relate? Ah, you've been rescued from tears. And you, foot, you were kept from stumbling. And I love this. I'm striding in the presence of God, alive in the land of the living. I imagine, foot, you, you've been kept from stumbling. There were a lot of times you could have fallen, but you didn't because of God. And the times you did fall, he picked you back up. I'm going to stride in the presence of God. Come on, I, there were many times you cried, your heart was broken, your spirit was crushed, but God came to your rescue. So, you don't deserve the grace God bestowed on you. But he has saved your soul from death. 
rejoice. I'm striving in the presence of God. I'm going to close out where we started this thing. Psalms 46. I'm going to read the Passion Translation this time, though. But I want you to understand when this is written. Psalms written during the reign of Jehoshaphat. The kingdoms of Moab, Ammon, and Edom, they're coming at Israel from all sides. They're attacking them. This is wartime. The psalmist sits down. And with enemies coming at them from every direction, pins these words. God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. Enemies, this is not natural. He knows he's got enemies in every corner. They're coming at him, at him. But he begins to talk to God. God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble. You're more than enough and always available whenever I need you. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away. God, I'm not going to fear, even if the enemy gets really close. God, I, I'm not going to fear even, I hear them saying that this COVID is taking on new strains and it's kind of morphing into something different. And, and I know everything they're saying, hey, be afraid, we're not out of the woodwork. I will not fear even if every structure of support were to come away. We will not fear even when the earthquakes and shakes moving mountains, casting them into the sea. For the raging roar of the stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. Pause in his presence. God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight to his people. His river flows right through the city of God most high into his holy dwelling places. God is in the midst of his city, secure and be confident he is not shaken. Come on. At daybreak, his help, his help will be seen with the appearing of the dawn. When the nations are in uproar with their tolerant kingdoms, God simply raises his voice and the earth begins to dis disintegrate before them. Here he comes, the commander. The mighty Lord of angel armies is on their side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Paul's in his presence. Everyone look. Come and see the breathtaking wonders of our God. For he brings both ruin and revival. Maybe you've seen ruin in your life. Man, I didn't say this at 9 a.m. Maybe you've seen ruin in your life. Maybe you've seen a failed marriage in your life. Maybe you've seen addiction run rampant in your life. Maybe you've seen depression run rampant and ruin in your life. But he brings not just that, he brings revival. Revival. In other words, those things that you thought were dead. Remember the remember our last series? Bring you back to life. He brings both ruin and revival. He's the one who makes conflicts end throughout the earth, breaking and burning every weapon of war. Surrender your anxiety. That's a word to somebody right there. 
Surrender your anxiety. Be silent. Stop your striving. And you will see that I'm God. In other words, stop trying to do it yourself. Be silent. Shut your mouth. Pause in his presence. And you'll see that I'm God. I am God above all nations. I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. Here he stands, the commander. The mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Selah, pause in 